Welcome to another episode of the SaaS Podcast. I'm your host, Omar Khan, and this is the show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your SaaS business. To learn more about the show and previous guests, go to thesaspodcast.com. In this episode, I talked to Rick Perot, the co-founder and CEO of Unbounce, a SaaS product that makes it easier to build custom landing pages, improve conversion rates, and drive more leads and sales. The company was founded in 2009 and went from zero to over $7 million in annual revenue within five years. Rick was an early guest on this podcast on episode 25 back in 2014, where he shared what happened in those first five years. Since then, Unbounce has continued to grow and is now a $20 million business. In this episode, we talk about the growth challenges the company has faced in the last four years and how they've overcome them to get to over $20 million annual run rate. We talk about how the marketing channels that helped them grow in the first few years have become less effective, and we discuss new marketing channels they're currently using. And we talk about the lessons that Rick has learned as the company grows about communication, transparency, hiring, and firing. I hope you enjoy it. Before we get started, there are a couple of things I want to tell you about. Firstly, I've created a great resource for you called the SaaS Toolkit, which will tell you about the 21 essential tools that every SaaS business needs. You can get a free copy of the toolkit by going to thesaspodcast.com. Secondly, if you need help building, launching, and growing your SaaS business, then check out SaaS Club Plus. It's our premium membership and community designed to help you get the insights, motivation, and support you need to succeed with your SaaS business. Just go to sasclub.co to learn more. Okay, let's get on with the interview. Rick, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. So this is a repeat visit. Uh, you were one of my first guests, episode 25, back in 2014. Um, so it's great to have you back and, and to be able to sort of catch up on what's been going on in the world of Unbounce. I, I'm glad to do this. A lot has happened since December 2014, that's for sure. Yeah, I've been yeah. hearing. So let's start by... And I want to ask you, like, what gets you out of bed every day? What what drives or motivates you to work on your business? You know, I think it's really the impact that we're having on on people's lives, uh, whether it be our customers, our employees, the community locally. Uh, that's actually, I feel, as we've grown, that has become a big motivator for me. Um, and because we see it, I you know, uh, you know, actually, I had someone walk up to me at our conference. I, I walk in. Uh, there was a uh, one of our guests where one of the attendees walks right up to me. He said, Rick Perot, pleasure to meet you. I just want you to know you're the reason why I'm able to feed my four kids. Wow. I, I brought tears to my eyes. You wow. know? And it was like so powerful about we actually the impact we have or, you know, people who, you know, who at Unbounce are saying this has been, a, you know, it's like the best job I've ever had. I'm learning so much and you treat us well. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's, uh, that's motivating. It really is when we, when I when I can see that we've 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 grown to a to a place where we can actually have an impact on people's lives. You know, I know you, and I don't think it's just kind of some people might 
say that because it sounds good, but I really believe that with you because, you know, you get to a point where you guys are doing well, you know, you get to a million, five million, 10 million, 20 million. And, and after a while, I guess those, they just become numbers, right? But once you have those real stories and real people telling you what an impact it's making or you're making and your business is making on their lives, that's yeah. really what matters, I think. That's the stuff that gives you goosebumps. These, you yeah. know, at, at this scale, as you say, in the early days, it was you know we watched the numbers every day coming. I mean, we used to have a we used to have every time somebody would start a sign up for Unbounce, our phones would go ding ding, and uh, <laughs> you know, and that was exciting in those days. But now it really is those those stories, whether it's from customers or employees or or actually even the impact we can have in the community. And you know, we uh, we have space available uh, at Unbounce, and for example, a ladies learning code, we're home base for them. And, you know, when they, you know, when we get a thank you card from them for allowing them to use the space and, uh, or for wherever anyone else who uses our space after hours. And it's like, that's, you know, that's, it means something to us. And, uh, it's, it's great to get that feedback. So for people who aren't familiar with Unbounce, can you just kind of give us a quick recap of what does a product do? Who's it for? What problem are you trying to solve? Yeah, uh, the pro- okay. I'll say uh, basically Unbounce is a, a landing page and conversion platform for marketers. Uh, it basically we help you grow your business by making it easy to get landing pages pop up and sticky bars, uh, so that you can convert more. Uh, we're focused on the SMB market, uh, and what I mean by that is generally kind of self service, um, and uh, it's. Uh, and the price point is, is is in that range for small, mid-sized businesses. Um, and we're really, uh, you know, what we've learned, we've seen it still. When I started Unbounce, it was really, a, we couldn't get these pages made without having to get developers involved. or And that was really expensive and time-consuming. And we've, we've said, it's got to be an easy way for a non-technical person to be able to create a page post it live, and, and then point your advertising to it. And the reason why this is important is because uh, having tar- specific landing pages for your for your online marketing activities, um, unique landing pages that matches the ad, uh, you'll convert way more than you would if you were just pointing all your you know your your marketing traffic to your company homepage. Um, so that's the problem we're trying to solve. Um, basically help customers grow their business faster with with uh landing pages now is you know with pop-ups and stickies and you know we're just trying to make it super easy to uh to create this kind of convert you know content that converts now when we talked last time we spent a lot of time talking about the early days how you came up with the idea and and kind of how you built the product and and you know got your initial customers so we don't need to cover all of that again. People can go back and they can listen to episode 25 if, you know, if they want to hear the full story. But I would love for us to do kind of a, you know, maybe spend like the next 10 minutes giving people a quick recap because it's an interesting story about, you know, how you kind of came up with the idea and then what you did to kind of figure out if there was a need for it. So maybe we spend a little bit of time talking about how you went from idea to say like the first hundred customers. And then we can really spend the rest of the time talking about everything that's happened since then and, and some of the, the new challenges and, and lessons that you've learned 
Well, as I said, I, I so actually, I'll step way back. So I actually had the privilege. I was working in digital marketing, and I had the privilege of working with some really smart people that taught me that hey, if you know, you if you if you're doing some uh, you know some advertising, your, your ad your ad should match the landing experience. And if you use a landing page, which is you know campaign, you build these for your campaign, uh, it will get much higher conversions. And better yet, if you can even if you can test these things. Uh, but the challenge was back in those days, and still in large part today, the the, the you know the landing page, the developing web content was not uh, you know develop. You had to go to your IT department, or your developers, to do that. Um, and for us, that was a challenge because um, developers don't necessarily want to work on marketing landing pages. They want to build apps and stuff, and you know and you know, our story was always, uh, you know, I'd get a landing page, a couple landing pages made for a campaign and they're not really working well. So we go back with some more and everybody, well, wait, we just gave you some and we're busy on something else. So these things would never get done, even though we knew, you know, we didn't use them as much as we should. And uh, so I, I went looking for a solution and basically, I actually went looking for a vendor. I thought, well, somebody must have solved this problem, make it easy for non-technical people. Uh, at the time, I, I saw in the marketing landscape, a lot of when I started my career, if you want to send an email to your customers, you type it all up, print it off, and bring it to somebody in the IT department, and they'd they'd take care of it for you. Uh, now that's you know that'd be absurd doing something like that. Now you have Mailchimp or you know enterprise email marketing solutions, and you know, uh, and then you know banner ad serving. I mean, today you you back you know ten years ago, fifteen years ago, the IT departments used to manage custom built advertising solutions and you know today that's all that's all in the cloud there's vendors looking after all that so i went looking for something like that and there really wasn't anything in the smb let's say space there was some enterprise cms that had some marketing that, that had some components of what we were looking for uh, but there really wasn't anything that was really kind of self-service you know sign up pay with your credit card Get, you know, cloud base. I wanted something as easy to use as Mailchimp. I remember that that's I had said that at the time. I was looking around. It has to be as easy to use as Mailchimp, and and there really wasn't. And uh, so I actually took an ad out on Facebook, advertising a landing page solution. And if you clicked on it, it would take you to a survey, of, uh, an, an apology saying I haven't built it yet, and uh, explain to them that I'm just I'm looking for a solution, and if I can't find one, I'll maybe build one. Um, and 42 marketers left me their, you know, left their story about how they need something like this so desperately and left me their phone numbers, their email, and please contact me. So, uh, armed with that, I, uh, decided to become an entrepreneur and, uh, with, uh, five other, uh, long time friends and colleagues, uh, who we decided to go solve this problem. Yeah. I love that story that, you know, it was just like, Hey, I used a Facebook ad just to find out if anybody else had the problem and there are people giving you their phone numbers. Yeah. Um, to you know, talk more about it. Yeah, I was doing. You know, I was doing. Uh, I was doing kind of customer development and kind of working lean before I even knew what that was. You know, and uh, uh, but it was. Uh, it was the only way to know if if this was actually a, a pain that people would pay, uh, would pay for, and that it and that was a pain that was widespread. More importantly, uh, you know, there's lots of. Uh, lots of great ideas, but it may not be a no, it might, not might not be a big market for it. So, 
So yeah, yeah. So with that, we 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 started that journey, and uh, you know, and I, I look back on what Unbounce was way back then. You'd never recognize it today, but it was, uh, you know, at the it, it, it it's uh, you know, we went out to make it easy for non technical people to put up a landing page to point their their point their marketing at, and uh, fundamentally, that's what we're still doing today. And and so once you had these people who kind of give you their contact information. Like, what did you do with it? Did you start like talking to each one? I actually, no, I reached out to, uh, personally reached out to everybody, try to understand, you know, we, I had in some cases, uh, you know, I actually, in many cases, got on the phone with, with people and, and try to understand their pain. And they were seeing the same thing. They had the same need I had, but couldn't find a vendor. They just weren't seeing it. And, uh, and I heard time and time and time again. And it was actually through that process, actually, because when I went out, when I, my original idea for Unbounce didn't involve testing. It was really, let's just get these landing pages built and we'll get some reporting. It was actually through that, through that kind of early customer development, I realized that because at the time I thought you could use a, a like Google had their uh, uh, tag based uh, testing. But uh, when I learned through that, and I thought everybody would, you know, anybody would just, the landing page, building the landing page, I thought was the real pain. But then I, what I really learned after is actually, no, they, they couldn't use the, the, the solution, the tag-based solutions that were existing because they were really complex and required some knowledge of coding. So they, you know, what they really wanted to do is be able to build a page and test it in a very simple way. So, so that's, uh, yeah. And that came out of those conversations and, and, uh, yeah, it's something, you know, to this day, we, we, we look back on those early days and it was like so important that feedback we got from the, you know, 40 people we didn't know. Who were and you guys, you guys were self-funded for the first couple of years. Is that right? Well, we, for the first year, so we bootstrapped, then we, then, yeah, then we, we, I, I guess we uh, kind of friends and family helped us go from product launch to some level of, uh, I would say profitability, but some level of where we were making enough where we were now independent. We were nowhere, you know, we weren't going to run out of money. And you know, so the, we could keep the lights on. And then at that point we raised uh, a seed round. Uh, and uh, um, yeah, and we've never, so we, we've raised less than a million dollars all, all told. You know, that's, so that's kind of like the early days of, building Unbounce. And, you know, as I said, in, in episode 25, we went through the full story and basically kind of how you went from zero to about $7 million in, in the space of about five years. And that's where we kind of left the story at that point. And things have changed since then, right? So in the last four years, uh, you've gone from $7 million run rate to you're doing over $20 million a year now. And also, I can't remember how many employees you had back then, but um, you've got what, like 170 wow. odd employees now? Odd now? We would have been back in December 2014. We were oh, between somewhere 50, no more than 70 for sure. So let, let's kind of talk about growth first of all, because... Um, yeah, you know, kind of going from seven million to twenty million dollars a year comes with its own set of challenges. It's not. It's not just yeah, you're you're generating X million, so it kind of keeps you know it's going to keep going. Um, so what 
kind of was that process like for you and what what were kind of you know some of the biggest challenges you faced along the way in terms of being able to grow the business well and actually well in the early days in terms of growth we we didn't we didn't have a lot of options not like we had a lot of money so we we did a lot of we did a lot of blogging we did a lot of uh, you know we created a lot of kind of quality content around a b testing and landing page best practices. Uh, and then we'd work with thought leaders in the market to kind of distribute that, we'd share on social. And those things really worked for us. And then it was, it was actually just the last few years where that stuff, there's so much content now, so many companies producing content. You know, content marketing is actually, it's, it's, it's become or becoming uh, far more mainstream. So those actually things are working less uh, effective than they were uh back in the early days. So that's been a challenge for us because we that's what that's one of the things we stayed focused on for so long. And in fact, one of the one of the things where one of the missteps we realized just uh, last year we think we made where you know a lot of people in the market if we go out and survey the market it's like you know 7 out of 10 marketers we talked to had heard about us only two of them three of them actually knew exactly what we did. And it's like, ah, you know, we've, so that's actually, we've really over this last year, really trying to change uh, or add a new dimension to the way we communicate in the market. It's really about, here's the pain that we're solving and here's how we do it. And we didn't do that as much in the early days. We were always, uh, we were always scared to blend in. Uh, I mean, we never used to have an ad to, you know, to our product on our blog. We were scared to mix that thought leadership with, with, uh, you know, kind of what we call today product marketing. Um, well, so you didn't promote uh, your own product on your blog? No, not as well as you, you should have. <laughs> That's no, it's uh, but it's just these, you know, these the silly mistakes we'd make in the early days, and and uh, you know, and we'd hear it from people after. It's like, yeah, I love your content, and you know, I've been to your conference, and oh, you have a product, and. Uh, yeah, so definitely uh, don't be shy to promote your product. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. You know, we, we, we always had this thing. It wasn't that we wouldn't talk about our product, but we didn't want to – we never would talk about it uh, close to our thought leadership stuff. We thought we wanted to separate the thought leadership from making it sound like it's a product ad. Uh, and I think there's ways – well, I think we've learned now there's ways to do it that's – that's tasteful and it doesn't come across like this piece of content is just here to advertise a product rather than here's a piece of content that's a help you be a better marketer. Um, and so we, yeah, we're, we're getting better at it, but that was definitely a mistake in the early days. Uh, and that today we're really trying to recover and, uh, really try to get good at this piece. Cause I think we've done really well historically building that thought leadership, uh, not so good at promoting our, uh, our own product, actually not only just through the market, but even to our own customer base. Uh, you know, it's, it's amazing how often, uh, actually we talked to communication has been a, uh, we talked before we started recording about how at scale communication is so hard, uh, internally, but not just internally before I get onto that, but, even with our customers, it's, you know, we'll, we, we'll release a piece of fee, a, a new feature. We send out one email and we think, well, everybody now knows about it. And I, I here's a story where, uh, you know, so Unbounce supports mobile. We have for quite a long time. It's such an important channel now for, for marketers. And, and, uh, it's actually a device that most of us are on long before we're ever on our computers. The first one we pick up, um, and yet, uh, I remember talking to a colleague who was using a competitive product and he says, well, you guys, you don't support mobile yet. 
Oh, we're so terrible at actually promoting internally what we do. And, uh, we, 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 uh, I've learned if, if, if there's one thing I've learned in nine years is how deliberate, uh, and, and never to be scared of over communicating, whether it's to our customer base, it's to our, our, our own team. Uh, as we've grown as a company, when we, when we got from, well, actually probably in 20, December 2014, we were, we were probably just starting to have those challenges because at the time we wanted to do an all hands. It'd be a, Hey, everybody got a minute and everybody just kind of, we'd just get around and, and there was, it was easy to stay aligned. Uh, it was easy to, for all our employees to know we were going because they could see my desk. They could hear me talking to my co-founders. They could hear me talking to, you know, our head of marketing or they, they could hear the discussions going on between customer success and our QA team. Or, you know, there was this, it was so easy to just have a, for everybody to have this shared sense of where we're heading as a, you know, our direction and, and, uh, and the things we're working on and why we're working on them. I, I think there was a really great understanding of why with everything that we were doing. But boy, once you start adding a second floor, other rooms, an office in a different time zone, that becomes really, really hard. Uh, and I'd say that's still one of our, that's one of our big challenges uh, as we've gone from, you know, the last time you and I spoke when we were, 50, 60 employees to today being over 170. Uh, yeah. That's uh, it's still a huge challenge. Uh, and it's something yeah. we just got to be really deliberate and know it's a challenge. And it doesn't matter how many times we say something, uh, we just got to keep on saying it. Yeah. So in terms of what that means for your customers, I, I want to kind of talk about that. So you said, hey, you know, there's, we, we're, we're still learning that there's a lot of marketers out there who don't really understand what we do. And then secondly, uh, we're probably not communicating as much as we should be because there's still, you know, maybe some misperceptions about what we can and can't do. Um, or if we're releasing new features, we think we've, we've told people, but they're not, it's not, the message isn't necessarily getting through. So what, what are you doing or what have you been doing to address that? Uh, yeah, it is. It's really, it's coming down to, uh, it's over communicate and communicate in all channels, finding different ways. It's not just email. It might be. So for example, from a product perspective in app, a lot of communication in, uh, in app, uh, we're using our community where, uh, we're bringing, um, uh, early on, we'll bring in, uh, our, uh, evangel, uh, kind of, a, our, uh, power users, our, our unbounced experts, bring them on board so they can actually be part of telling that story. Um, and, uh, and it's still hard and it's still like, we're still constantly looking at ways to, uh, to, you know, to, uh, talk to the market We're we're definitely talking more now about the product, the, the, the pain that the product solves different ways. Like we do a lot more case studies now, uh, on the success uh, of, uh, you know, the problem a customer might have had and how they've used our product to, to uh, solve that product and the success they've actually had. Um, you know, a lot of stuff that, you know, you, you, you might think, well, that's just, you know, we should have been doing that day one, but we, we, we were taking a different approach in the early days. Uh, but yeah, even like, so yeah, communicating within the product, actually you trying to make the product and you know, designing the product in a way. And we have, uh, you know, in the early days, we had one designer working on 
not just product UI, but marketing. And now we have a team kind of dedicated to that, but trying to make the product kind of almost when you get in there, it's like, oh, I, I see where all this, these capabilities are. So, you know, so it doesn't require much description. And, and I'm, I'm not doing this justice. There's so much we're trying to do now, but just trying to find different ways of communicating because everybody kind of learns differently. Yeah. But the, the, the kind of the key takeaway I'm hearing is multi-channel communication. Don't just communicate once and expect that people will get it. And that is well, 100%. And I would say you could take that exact same philosophy. And that's true for communicating to your organization at scale. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm curious, the, the, you mentioned somebody who wasn't using Unbounce because they said you guys don't support mobile. When was that conversation? That was a couple of years ago. Okay. Yeah, a couple of years ago. That was. Uh, and then how long have you supported mobile now? Oh, it's it's been uh, we've been supporting mobile probably since uh, not too long after you and I were talking first time. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember back. I I, I think when we spoke last time, you'd mentioned that hey, you know, we don't really support mobile yet. And and I was like, yeah, but you got to $7 million. So <laughs> something doesn't add up here. Yeah, yeah. And I remember also, I'd often hear people, you know, the marketers talking about it and, and they'd be like, oh, what, what software should I use? And when people would talk about the pros and cons, a con that I would always see coming out with Unbounce was the lack of mobile support. Right. But it, I think it's funny that even some years after that, it still continued yeah. to be yeah. a perception. That, that it, is, that that's true. There. And we, well, I'll be honest, we kind of missed the boat on that one. That's something that kind of caught us by surprise, the, the how fast our market and our, uh, that it became a check, it became a required checkbox. And if we didn't have it, they just moved on to something else. And that happened really quickly. Uh, it went from very little, you know, uh, I, mean, we, I think we do a pretty good job at talking to our customers and getting that, having a really good feedback loop. Uh, but that's something I, I'll, I'll be honest. I think that's, you know, uh, one of the founders and myself, we talk about that. And that's, we look back and that was one of the things we weren't fast enough on in the early days. In terms of growth, um, when you guys launched Unbounce, Back in 2009, there weren't that many products out there that solved that problem or helped you build landing pages. Today, that different that that situation is very different. How how has that changed the way that you do business, and have you found it more of a challenge to kind of stand out or? Has that not been an issue? Well, actually, in terms of the, the marketing landscape, I will say there is there's just so many companies out there now in general for market market you know technologies you know in the SaaS kind of there's you know whether it's analytics or uh, you know top of funnel solutions uh, uh, bottom of the funnel solutions uh, and even in a space we're playing and there, you know there's there's dozens of uh, of players now, and then a lot of the, you know, email marketing, com- marketing automation. They all have components of what we are doing. There's just, but there's a lot of companies in the marketing space, so there is a lot of. It's hard to get, a lot harder today to get attention uh, of a marketer than it was, uh, I think, when we started the company. There was far fewer uh, kind of uh, 
marketing solutions out there. There was definitely far fewer uh, solutions to build content and and to test and uh, and there's a lot of that now. So so yes, it, it's it's actually more challenging. Uh, and in fact, that's actually I, I think as we've grown, it's something that. Uh, you know, we're, we're constantly, how do we address this? Like, how do we get people's attention? Uh, uh, and it, it is, it's a challenge. Uh, it's so yes, that is true. There's, there's, it's far more competitive. And I think for us, though, I, I will say we're, tr- we're just trying to get, we're looking for new, you know, we're always looking for, uh, you know, new channels and new things. You know, we launched, like last year, we, uh, we launched, uh, you know, our benchmark report, uh, trying to get, so there was the first time in our, in our market where we, well, where we've actually identified based on our experience and, um, uh, you know, benchmarking different industries and conversion rates and things that have worked and, and not. So, you know, trying to, trying to do new things like we, uh, or, you know, we've over the last five years, we've invested in a conference, uh, and that's gone from a quite a small event to a much large uh, last two years. We've had, you know, over a thousand marketers attend. Um, yeah, it's, uh, we're always looking for new, you know, what's those, we can't just, it's not, it's not, our, it can't be just our blog. It can't be just a webinar. Uh, we're, it's, there's, a, we're, we're constantly trying to try lots of new things, uh, because it's getting more, it's, it's getting, uh, it's getting harder to get, uh, marketers attention because there's just so much, there's so much demand on, on, on marketers time right now. Um, so it's, um, yeah. So the event is is clearly a way to get attention. Yeah, we saw that. Yeah, we saw that as a, like almost like an extension of our content marketing of our blog, um, and and actually we're really focused there on creating a really great experience so that people who attend will go off and talk about it, uh, and then talk about us, and uh, and uh, so we're it, we're really trying to create a really great experience. Um, and I, I would argue actually, when you ask about how we're differentiating, you know, it was interesting, uh, even as a early day startup in the very earliest days, if the phone rang, it was one of the things, if someone's calling, we got to pick up the phone, we got to be there. If, if I walked by a customer success and they're busy all on the phones and there's a phone ringing, I'd pick it up. Uh, and we, and that kind of set this kind of internally like this, you know, making customer care really one of the most important, the, the most important thing we do. And we, uh, and we're always looking at ways to get better and better. But, uh, even in the early days, we, we, it was always something we really went out of our way to do. And I do think that sets us apart, uh, today from, uh, from some of the competition and just interesting enough, uh, last week, 10 days ago, we, we were, we were down, we were down for an hour. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, I, I do like to say something I'm pretty proud of is that we're, we're rarely ever down and but this was actually our fault too. And, uh, wait, so you would, you were down, you, your, your site is down and all your customers landing pages are down. That is correct. So it was kind of worst case scenario for us. And, uh, and it was our fault. It wasn't like the internet went down or, uh, which happened once before. Um, and, uh, but I was watching and unfortunately I was actually, I was away. I was, I was, I was, I was out of town. And, uh, so I, I wasn't there in the office and so I'm watching, uh, you know, our own internal, uh, team dealing with this, but then I'm watching Twitter and I'm watching our customers kind of 
who, they basically got our backs. It's like, you know what? I, I've been a customer for, you know, X amount of years and this is the first time this has happened. You know, you know, good luck on balance. Let us know when this is. And the, it was really supportive. And I was just like, this is why we take care of our company. This is why, you know, we pick up that phone when it rings. This is, you know, uh, and that culture of doing everything we can to help our customers be successful is because when we do screw up, they've got our backs. Yeah, that's really, really good. I mean, the fact, one, that, you know, this was a very rare thing to happen, which is always good for a SaaS business. And then secondly, that, you know, your customers were very supportive of it. So when you say like, take care of our customers, give me, give me some examples of the kinds of things that you do, which have resulted in, in people going out and defending Unbounce when, you know, everyone on Twitter is kind of complaining about the service being down. Right. Uh, I would, I, I, I would just the level of customer support that we provide. Uh, like I said, I, I think, uh, we're, I mean, what's our net promoter score is somewhere around 80. Um, when you call into Unbounce, whether actually the interactions you'll have with Unbounce, uh, with our customer, if you're having a, a problem, or if actually, if you're not, even early on, like with, uh, with on, with onboarding and, uh, every touch point, we really go out of our way to continually improve, whether it's how fast we get back to you with a ticket. Um, and, you know, if, and if someone, a customer is having a problem, like it, 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 we just don't, we, we, the team really goes out of their way to f- solve it as fast as possible. Uh, and we hear that feedback constantly. Uh, so I, I'll get the, uh, daily, every day when a customer responds to, uh, after, uh, after, uh, a ticket's been solved, uh, they're, they're asked to comment on it. And I see that feedback. And it's actually, it's, you know, as, as this founding CEO, I look at that. I'm proud of the team, but that team just says, Hey, we can do better. And they're constantly, going out of their way. There's everything they can do. How do we improve these processes? How can we, and then they bring that feedback. Hey, if a customer's, we're, we're getting all this feedback around this particular feature or something's hard to use and they bring that back and let's, let's make this a priority. Let's solve that for our customers. Um, uh, yeah, I think it's just the, it's, it's just the culture of the, you know, the customer is right. The customer has a problem. And if, 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 uh, and that we have to do everything we can to help them as fast as possible. And uh, yeah, and I think that's something that's kind of ingrained in our culture. Also in terms of growth, what what are some of the things that, that you've kind of were doing before that kind of helped you to get to the $7 million, but at some point you just found this isn't working anymore? Oh, things that just aren't working that might have been working. Um, we don't blog as much as we used to. You know, it's interesting what you said about that with content marketing because we, for so long we've heard about, you know, the importance of content marketing and Google loves really long, in-depth articles and everyone is doing it. And I don't know about you, but these days it's like, I don't want to read a 6,000 word blog posts. I just want an answer to my question. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely, we don't do as much as we do as we used to. In fact, there, there are, you know, we used to blog three, four, five, five, actually five. There was a blog post almost every business day. And that's certainly not the case now. Uh, we don't do the kind we, for a while we were doing actually 2014, uh, 2014, uh, 
uh, webinars accounted for about 30% of all our, uh, uh, our customer acquisition. Uh, that's now we hardly ever do them. Um, there, it's so there's just there's so much of that today. It's really hard to get people's attention on that. So we're just, mm-hmm. uh, what else do we have done in the early days that we're not doing today? Um, I don't think fundamentally things have like, we're not doing, I, we still do some of this, a lot of the same stuff. We just do it a lot differently or we're doing, we're just doing a lot less of it. And we're trying to do other things. Actually, we do a lot more paid, uh, advertising today than we, than we did in the early days. In large part we had in the early days, we were, um, uh, budget constrained, but today we've actually found ways to, it, we're, we're getting a lot and we actually didn't get the results in the early days. It just wasn't working for us as well as it is today. So we, uh, today we, we spend a significant amount on, on paid search, uh, and that and that does well for us. Okay, so we we talked about kind of you know what that's meant for you, and and in terms of the way you run the company, and and communication is kind of a whole set of new challenges, not just with customers, but with your own employees now. That you know you've you've grown to you know getting close to two hundred employees you've got some people working remotely you've got you've got an office open up in berlin now as well so it definitely isn't like you know rick standing up at his desk and talking to the whole company right so that's kind of changed a lot of things um what else has has changed about the the business Wow, actually, oh, well, I think and that's actually you raise a good point. Rick standing up there in front of the, the company. That is, it is change. As you scale, you really, and this was actually hard for us as founders, uh, you know, because it's your baby, right? And w- when you're seeing it grow and successful, it's like, no, no, I got to hang on to this or else, it, you know, somebody else might screw it up. Um, but it's actually been a big challenge for us to actually let go of a lot of things, but we've been doing it. Uh, and it's been successful. I'll be honest. It's, it's, uh, the more we're letting go of things. And as like, so now, it, you know, in the early days, it was, you know, the six founders, uh, ran the day to day of the business. And today that's not really the case anymore from a day to day. Um, you know, now we're, we have, we've hired, you know, we've had oh, either internally, we've had, uh, early employees who are now, uh, part of the you know, senior leadership team and are running with, uh, certain areas of the business or we've brought in, um, experienced, uh, executives. Um, but that, that's definitely something that's changed a lot in, in terms of, um, our like best founders, like for the most part, like we have a team that one way I like to describe it is like, we have a team kind of executing on what needs to be done today. Our job is you know thinking about tomorrow. <laughs> And, and thinking about that future. And uh, that was something uh, it was hard to let go. And because uh, as whether you're running a department or, you know, being really hands on into, into the product, like we have a product, a product team now who are actually really good and who have are, are, are doing a lot of the, the, the rigor and the interviewing and the and the analysis to actually to, you know, to really ha- to help get us the, uh, where we need to be faster. Where I think in the early days it was, uh, as founders, we were just like, "Hey, we're going in this direction," and uh, with 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 not as much validation or the, then 
than we need at this scale because we you know we still can't afford to be building things that the that our customers in the market uh, don't need. But as we scale, that's been, you know we ha- we've had to let go of wearing multiple hats and really kind of have a I think as founders really have a kind of heart to heart with ourselves and realize what are we good at, where are we standing in the way, and what is it that we really aren't good at or or you know what areas of our jobs you know don't get us up in the morning and somebody else would do it way better than we are, um, and that's actually a really challenging thing to go through as a founder because uh, you kind of think you're you know, you, you've built this it's your baby you must be good at everything um, of course you know, <laughs> and uh, you know I uh, yeah uh, so yeah so that's definitely. Uh, I think myself, uh, so as we scale, I know myself, uh, I've actually have, not only have I gone through that, and I'm trying to focus more on the future and what are we doing tomorrow. And, uh, but I also can't work the kind, I have two children now uh, that I didn't have in 2014. And uh, I had a very understanding wife who, if I was working 80 hours a week, she was super supportive. Uh, and today I have a three-year-old and a 16-month-old. Uh, so I try to get home a few nights a week to put them to bed. Uh, and that was actually something that really has taken some getting used to. And, uh, you know, uh, in the early, earlier on during that process, it's like if I'm not there with my family, I'm feeling guilty. If I am there with my family, I'm feeling guilty for not being with them. Though. So, <laughs> right. uh, so that I know personally for me, that, that, that was a challenge that I'm, 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 uh, I've been dealing with, but yeah, as at scale, you know, it's, uh, um, you know, yeah, yeah. In order, in order, I think for the company to really accelerate now at this scale and really grow, uh, in the right way, it's like, you know, we need to, I, I need to be myself and founders really kind of, kind of let go and kind of keep an eye on things, but let people run, empower people. Uh, empowerment is one of our core values. Uh, so, you know, really living that core value and, uh, you know, keep an eye on things, but, uh, uh, but, uh, really empower people to kind of run with their ideas. And, uh, so that's actually something that's changed a lot. And it, and it's something that has to, when you, when you're at this size, it's something you should kind of have to do. And, yeah. Yeah. But I, th- I think that as a founder, it's a hard thing to do. Like, as you said, it's your baby and it's, it's hard to let go in in many ways especially when for so many years you've been used to you know getting involved in all aspects of the business and all kinds of details um but yeah at least you recognize that. yeah and it's and i'll be honest and what happens is when you hire really good people they want some independence they want to be held accountable they want to be but they also want, you know, they want to be able to run in a certain direction with something. So you can't stand in their way. You know, you, we have to, you know, I like to say, you know, we're providing a sandbox for people to play in. So this is like, hey, we're generally going in this direction. But how we get there, let's leave that up to uh, to the, some really smart people that we're hiring. And if we're going to hire these really smart people, we have to get out of their way. So that's, um, yeah, that's something. And it's, it's hard to do, I'll be honest. It's it, even, you know, I, I think uh, I like to think I'm... I'm uh, pretty good at that, and I and I and I see that. But I even myself, I find myself, oh, maybe I should step away from that. I'm getting, I'm, 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 I'm crushing someone here, and I shouldn't be. So, um, yeah, uh, it's a, it's a hard thing to do, and and it, you realize that then you know the sooner you realize that, and I think and empower people to run. It's amazing if you've empowered a team and just provide them a bit of vision and direction, and 
and then just kind of get out of their way and let them run with stuff. It's, it's amazing how much stuff gets done and really good stuff. So hiring great people makes a huge difference and, and you can kind of tell the difference in terms of if you've had somebody doing a mediocre job and you hire a, a star the it's like a day and night difference in terms of the way they operate. It becomes very evident very quickly. But I also remember talking to you and you also told me kind of you'd also had some challenges with the other side where you kept some people on for too long because you wanted to be nice. Yes. Yes. So yes. Uh, yeah. I, I would say that's another thing as founders, you know, where, you know, we, we want to, you know, we, uh, actually really early on, I mean, I think the, the founders were all, yeah, we're all pretty nice people. Uh, and, uh, early on, we actually, we always said Unbox will be, we want it to be a place where, you know, where we'll, uh, you know, where we're, it'll be a, a nice place to work. Um, and yeah, I think, uh, over the years we, we were, we were not disciplined. We confused being a nice, being nice and a nice place to work and a great place to work. And with, um, not being, um, not holding people accountable, uh, as much as they should. So there were some people we hung on to far too long because they were, they became our friends and we cared about them and their family. But at the end of the day, we were doing them a disservice. And, and it's like, and it's amazing. It's just actually, this is a hard one to learn too. And whether you're a founder or in management in general, is that, you know, if you're hanging on to somebody who's not doing a great job, they already know that, you know, most of the time they know that. And by letting them go, and it's, it's actually almost every time we've let, finally let somebody go because they weren't doing a good job and they, they just wasn't a fit, uh, they went off and did something even better. Like they had, they had their, their next, their, their real opportunity was that next thing they did. And I've seen it time and, and they come back and said, Rick, I'm so happy you let me go. My life now is so much better. I just, yeah, I knew I wasn't cutting it. Uh, but you know, as founders, you, 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 you hang on because it's like, ah, oh, we want to be nice, you know, and, uh, we want to look after people. And, uh, so that was actually definitely a, uh, a, a lesson learned and, and, uh, even, yeah, even now, sometimes uh, not as much now, I think, it, but it's taken a while, but even, you know, it's, uh, we've gotten a lot better at it, but that's definitely a challenge, uh, for us, uh, over the years, all of us, I think as, as founders. And I think that's probably a lesson in, in management. I don't think I've ever really been good at letting people go. I think I, uh, I've always kind of, uh, hung on to people too long. All right, let's uh, let's wrap up. I'm gonna gonna go into the lightning round. Uh, you know the drill: seven questions. Okay, as <laughs> you can. All right. Uh, what's the best piece of business advice you've ever received? Uh, spend company money like it's coming out of your pocket. What book would you recommend to our audience, and why? Lost and Founder by Rand Fishkin. What's uh, one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful entrepreneur? Uh, tenacity. What's your favorite personal productivity tool or habit? Uh, daily walk. An hour every day. That's a new one. I like that. Uh, what's the new or crazy business idea you'd love to pursue if you had the extra time? Uh, oh, what is that? The wiki. Oh, God, our internal wiki. I'd, re I'd come up with a really user-friendly, non-technical uh, to these, these internal wikis. That's what I would do. 
Uh, oh, what's an interesting or fun fact about you that most people don't know? Uh, I spend, I try to spend uh, thinking time, my Zen moments. I don't play golf. I don't play sports or anything, but I do, I do like to grow vegetables. In fact, I came up for the idea of Unbounce the very first year I started gardening. So I figure it's probably wow. good therapy and good 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 thinking space. So I, I I I keep a small vegetable garden. Dude, you know I I don't know if it's just both of us are at that time of our lives, but you know it's something that I've been thinking about as well. It's just like I look at the yard and I just go I need I need to kind of go out there and and get some green fingers and and grow something. It's and, so therapeutic out there. You know you're away from your keyboard. Uh, and you got your hands dirty, and you're watching something grow. It's actually is there's a lot of similarities to running a business and growing a business. And I got to talk about this for a while about how you start from seed and you watch it, you care for it, <laughs> and then you know these plants. If you look after them, they'll start producing fruit, like a big tomato plant. You you look after that well, and it's going to start producing fruit, and uh, it's rewarding. Uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's fun. Yeah, it is. It really is a lot of fun. And uh, finally, what's one of your most important passions outside of your work? Oh, my family, without a doubt. Cool, great. Well, it's been good to to catch up after uh, after doing the interview almost four years ago, uh, and and kind of great to hear, you know, what what you've been up to and and how the business has grown and sort of the lessons and you know, challenges you've had along the way and, and, and how you've dealt with them. Um, I am going to take you up on your invitation at one point, drive up from Seattle to Vancouver and come to your offices and hopefully attend your event next year. That'd be great. We'd love to have you. And then we can continue this conversation and uh, face-to-face. Yeah, yeah, that would be a good, that would be a first. Actually, maybe we should do that. The yeah. next time I interview Rick, it's going to be face-to-face. That'd be awesome. And then we can compare our beards. Yeah, we can do that too. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Now, uh, if people want to find out more about Unbounce, they can go to unbounce.com. And uh, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, Rick at unbounce.com. Send me an email. I'd love to chat. Happy to help. I I wish you all the best. And uh, thanks for taking the time to join me again. Thank you very much for having me. Cheers. Thanks for listening. I really hope you enjoyed the interview. You can get to the show notes by going to thesaspodcast.com, where you'll find a summary of this episode and a link to all the resources we discussed. If you enjoyed this episode, then head over to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. And if you're feeling generous, consider leaving a rating and review to show your support for the show. If you're not already in iTunes, go to thesaspodcast.com and click the iTunes button. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take care.